it doesn't matter how much life experience someone has. It doesn't matter even how often they've been exposed to the Scripture. Every one of us comes into Christ's kingdom as a spiritual newborn. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and Tom is continuing his current series with part eight of The Church According to Jesus. Last time, we were reminded that regardless of the circumstances, every believer comes into Christ's kingdom as a spiritual newborn, and God is at work in spiritually bringing to maturity all believers for their good and His glory. The goal being the building up of His church. But in the maturing of spiritual newborns, discernment is needed from the spiritually mature. Today, Tom will discuss the temptation in too quickly raising up gifted and influential believers into leadership roles within the church. Now, while their experience, wealth, or fame might make them good candidates from a worldly perspective, today you'll learn how God prescribes in His Word how the church should raise up leaders. Let's join our teacher now to learn more from God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. There's another characteristic that physical children and spiritually immature people share. Not only is there this personal instability but they are easily deceived, easily deceived. Notice verse 14 again. He says, not only are they tossed here and there by waves, they are also carried about by every wind of doctrine. Doctrine is literally the Greek word for teaching. Carried about by every wind of teaching. Because they lack the knowledge of the faith, their entire direction in the Christian life is changed by the next gust of wind, the next teaching to which they are exposed. It might be their own idea, but more often it comes from someone else's teaching. It might be just some ridiculous interpretation of the Scripture, but more often it's outright error. The goal as we found last week, is to arrive at the unity of the faith, united in the fundamentals of the faith. But there are many waves that will carry you far away from that destination. Shortly after I moved to Texas, I had a man out to give me a bid on some work that I needed done at my house. And the best I could tell from my conversation with him, this man was in Christ. But as I got to talking with him, he kept quoting all of these false teachers. He kept quoting Ken Copeland and Kenneth Hagin, and he mentioned several others. And I did my best to sort of redirect him back to the Scripture. But it was clear to me that he was being tossed here and there, and he was being carried about by every wind of teaching. The latest guy he heard on the radio tossed him here and brought him over here in a new direction, and then he'd hear this new teaching and it would take him this direction. He was easily deceived, and that's true of all those who are spiritually immature. What makes children, both physical children and spiritual children, children easy to deceive. Well, again, Lloyd-Jones has a very helpful and thought-provoking little list under this issue of easy to deceive. 
He says, here's why children are easy to deceive. They are proud and self-assured. They overestimate their own knowledge and ability. They're ignorant. This is why a child can be so easily deceived. You talk about taking easy as taking candy from a baby. It's because they lack a knowledge of the world and how it works. There's this basic ignorance. They have a natural dislike of being taught. They're drawn to the new and the novel. You see, children have inherently no real sense of value. They have to be taught value. They are typically drawn to a shiny penny rather than a dulled silver dollar because it's new and it's exciting and it's shiny. Lloyd-Jones says both physical children and immature Christians enjoy entertainment and excitement. That's why our children are sometimes excited to see their parents leave or to see that doting relative come because that doting relative is a lot more fun, a lot more entertaining, a lot more enjoyable. The same thing can be true for the spiritually immature. And Lloyd-Jones' last little point in his list is that both physically immature and spiritually immature people are susceptible to showmanship. You know, when I read this, I thought Lloyd-Jones was a prophet ahead of his time. Listen, Listen to this and see if this doesn't describe so much of the church today. He says, the bigger the show, the more the child is likely to believe it because he lacks knowledge and the ability to discriminate and to understand, he tends to be seduced by the spectacular, the big, the gaudy, anything which is done in a self-confident manner. Showmanship always appeals to children. That's true physically, and it's true of the spiritually immature as well. Where do these waves of teaching, these winds of doctrine come from? Well, sometimes they may come from well-meaning but confused Christian leaders. Trends like the prayer of Jabez or wild at heart or whatever the latest thing is, the latest fad. If you've been a Christian for a while, and if you've grown up in Christ, you've seen that there are these trends and fads that come and go in Christianity. Some are more harmful than others, but you've learned to just ignore them because you've become stable in what you believe, so you're really unaffected by them. You realize they'll be here today, they'll promise this great change, and they'll be gone tomorrow, and nobody will even remember after a couple of years. But immature believers are redirected by every new teaching, every new trend. They uncritically accept whatever is shared with them. So sometimes well-meaning Christians can be the cause of this instability. But here in Ephesians 4, Paul is not concerned with those influences that come from well-meaning Christians. He's concerned about a particular destabilizing force False teaching that comes from false teachers. And that brings us to the third implication of Christ's plan on our individual spiritual growth, and it's this. Satan works to take advantage of our immaturity. 
Satan works to take advantage of our immaturity. Immature Christians are carried about by every wind of doctrine. And Paul says in verse 14 that these changing winds of doctrine come, notice what he says, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. Paul is talking about false teachers. And notice how he describes them. The word translated trickery is a very compelling word. It's a word from the Greek word for dice. It refers to sleight of hand. It's not the kind of innocent card trick that one child plays on another here. He's talking about the trickery of deceivers and frauds, people out to get something from you, people who play with loaded dice. By choosing this word, by the way, Paul is implying that like most sleight-of-hand frauds, false teachers are in business primarily for one reason, their own financial benefit. Notice what he continues. He says, by trickery, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. The word craftiness speaks of devious, malicious cunning. It literally means the willingness and ability to get your own way, whatever it takes. It's used of what Satan did to Eve. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, we read, the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. The willingness and ability to get your own way, whatever it takes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul con- contrasts his own approach with how the false teachers act, and in so doing, he gives us insight into how false teachers function. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 4, 2. Paul says, we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness. There's our word. Paul says, I don't minister in craftiness. I'm not into this devious cunning, trying to get my own way at your expense or adulterating the Word of God. There is the favorite method of false teachers, adulterating the Word of God. The word adulterating means to cause to become false by distorting something. They adulterate the Word of God. Now, back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, notice the last phrase, with regard to the schemes of error is literally how we could translate it. By craftiness with regard to the schemes of error. False teachers are frauds who for their own financial advantage trick people into buying schemes of error. By guile and deception they sell schemes of error. And the spiritually immature are always buying. They are especially susceptible to this deception. Folks, I've been struck this week by how often this warning occurs in the New Testament. It occurs over and over and over again. Because as Christians, we tend to be what? Gullible. Christians are some of the most gullible people in the world. And we can be open to anybody who says, I love Jesus. But the New Testament warns us again and again, don't believe it. Let me just show you a few examples. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 30. Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders the last time he sees them, 
and he says this to them, and it's, it's shocking. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Paul says, listen, there are going to be people that come in from the outside selling false teaching, and there are even going to be people that are a part of the church who begin to teach and distort the truth. you got to be on your alert. This was the Ephesian church, folks, where Paul was essentially the pastor for 18 months. Church he founded, elders he picked. And yet he says, beware, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, he says. In Romans chapter 16, Paul breaks into the middle of his expression of love for all of these people with this same sort of warning. Romans chapter 16, verse 17, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and stumbling blocks contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Stay on your guard, Paul says. Those who are unsuspecting are going to be deceived. They're smooth. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul warns the churches in Galatia about this, and they've already, they've already bitten. Verse 6, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you, agitating you, and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul says there are people in your churches there in Galatia, churches I founded, who want to distort the gospel. Be on guard. Be on the alert. You're buying into error. Peter makes the same point in 2 Peter. He devotes an entire chapter to false teachers, chapter 2 of 2 Peter. He begins like this, but false prophets also arose among the people, that is in the Old Testament times, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Be on guard. It's going to happen, Peter says, as he writes to those who were scattered because of the persecution. Our Lord's half-brother, Jude, writes an entire letter telling us to beware of the pretenders, And he begins like this in verse 3. Beloved, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, but instead I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, that is, the body of truth, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Why? For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. You get the idea? It's stealthy. Nobody will walk into this church with a sign across their chest that says, false teacher. Nobody is going to be on television with a sandwich board that says, I am a false teacher. They creep in unnoticed. And he says, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness, 
into antinomianism, do whatever you want, and they deny our Lord. By the way, false teachers almost always are off on the doctrine of Christ, and that's why you see that come up so frequently. Do you get the point? Beware of false teachers and false teaching. It is everywhere. Why? Well, it's important to understand that false teachers are not the ultimate source of their false teaching. They are not the ultimate source of their schemes of error. They may appear to all come from men, but the ultimate source of all false teaching is whom? Satan himself. In fact, the only other place this word schemes occurs in Scripture, schemes of error, the only other place it occurs is later in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, where it's called the schemes of the devil. Peter O'Brien writes, behind false teaching are not simply men and women who pursue their unscrupulous goal with a scheming that produces error. There is also a supernatural evil power who seeks to deceive them with devilish cunning. Folks, Satan's primary agenda in the world is religion. False religion to keep people from the truth of the gospel, and once they're in the gospel, distorting the faith in order to confuse and deceive and mislead and to thwart. You remember in 2 Corinthians 11, we're told that the Satan, just as the false apostles, transforms himself into what? He's a transformer. He changes himself into an angel of light that is a messenger of truth. If Satan were to walk in here this morning, he wouldn't look like most pictures of him. He would look like a wonderful Christian person here to tell us the truth. Constantly, we're warned of this. So it becomes important to guard and protect those who are spiritually immature, and for those who are spiritually immature to grow up so that they're no longer children, easily confused and misled by trickery and schemes of error. We'll talk about how you can grow up next week. But today, we've seen the first three implications of Christ's plan on our own individual spiritual growth and development. Number one, every Christian begins the Christian life as a spiritual infant. Number two, every immature Christian shares two primary characteristics of children. They are personally unstable, and they are easily deceived. And number three, Satan works to take advantage of our immaturity, and we must be on guard. Now, folks, as we finish our time together this morning before we take the Lord's table, there are a couple important lessons from what we've learned I just want to call your attention to. A couple important lessons to bear in mind. Number one, we should never equate life maturity, our social and mental maturity, with spiritual maturity. There is a tendency to assume that if someone becomes a Christian and that person is older in life, that person has more experience, that person has some other human advantage, maybe they're wealthy, maybe they're famous, maybe they've been more successful, There's a tendency to assume that they can be more quickly thrust into positions of influence and leadership within the church. The worst examples, of course, is when somebody famous comes to Christ, there's a sort of mad rush to push them into positions of leadership and influence. But it doesn't matter how much life experience someone has. It doesn't matter even how often they've been exposed to the Scripture. Every one of us comes into Christ's kingdom as a spiritual newborn Remember, it was Nicodemus 
a leader of Israel, a teacher of the law, that Jesus said, you need to be born again. You need to start all over. There's a second lesson, much more practical to us. We must constantly be on guard against false teaching. We must constantly be on our guard against false teaching. Folks, be careful who you open yourself up to, what radio teachers you listen to, what TV preachers you watch. There are very few that are biblically solid, and many of them actually teach heresy. Many are undoubtedly false teachers who are merely looking to pad their wallets and build their empires. Be careful what Christian books you read. There was a day when Christian publishing companies were publishing really only fairly solid Christian books. That is no longer the case. Several of them are owned publicly, traded on the stock exchange, and they're often driven by the bottom line. They will publish whoever it will bring in the money. Thomas Nelson publishes both Benny Hinn on the one hand and John MacArthur on the other. Be careful. On one end of the spectrum of false teachers, there are the gaudy deceivers, the TBN, Benny Hinn crowd. In some ways, they're not the most dangerous because on the other end of the spectrum are the erudite, academic, intellectuals, with their cosmopolitan dress and their smooth postmodernism, pushing the latest academic intellectual drivel. Some of them, like Brian McLaren, for example, of the emergent church movement, use publishing and conferences to spread their deception. Others of them stand in some college with a Christian heritage to which we send our children, and they pretend to love Christ They say they do, but they are really wolves in sheep's clothing because they spend the rest of their academic careers trying to undermine the faith of those young people. Beware. Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his apostles told us there would always, always, always be false teachers. And they would be stealthy and crafty and they would creep in unawares and unnoticed. They would come from the outside, and they would show up inside. Number three, we must be patient with people. A third lesson from this study, we must be patient with people. Don't expect spiritual infants to act like spiritual adults. Sometimes we get exasperated with those who are young in the faith. Why don't they get it? I mean, it seems so easy to us. Sometimes we get impatient with our own spiritual immaturity. You know, it's a whole lot easier to keep this in mind when we're dealing with physical immaturity. We're rarely tempted to see a little child crawling around on the floor and expect that child to act like an adult. Their physical size is a constant reminder that they are still young and need to develop. But there's no external reminder There's no tag that Christians wear that says, I'm a spiritual newborn, or I'm a spiritual child, or I'm a spiritual adolescent. So we have to constantly remind ourselves to be patient. The people around us are at various levels of spiritual maturity, and it's not seen in their physical appearance, but in their spiritual responses. Ask yourself this question, are they personally unstable? 
Are they fickle? Are they impulsive, driven by feelings and moods? Do they react excessively? Do they hold views violently? Are they easily deceived? Are they proud and self-certain of their views? Are they ignorant? Do they not like to be taught? Are they drawn to what's new and novel? Do they want entertainment and excitement? Are they susceptible to showmanship? Then they're spiritually immature, whatever age they may be. Be patient. Remember, as we learned last week, that every true Christian will one day meet the standard. What's the standard? Christ-likeness. Fully embodying the moral character of Jesus Christ. And that will happen. Why? Because he bought it for us at the cross. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part eight of his current series, The Church According to Jesus. Tom will have part nine for you on our next broadcast, and we do hope you'll join us then. Well, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And be sure to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.